Psalm 47. Throughout the summers at Trinity, we preach through the Psalter. The Psalter is just a fancy word for the book of Psalms. The Psalter, the Psalms were the playlist of the ancient church. They are the songs of God's covenant people. And so, today we come to Psalm 47. Would you be willing to stand with me as we read from God's Word? Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared. A great King over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Presbyterian Church in Owasso, Oklahoma. Our passion is to show that grace changes everything in Jesus Christ by equipping you to rest in worship, grow in community, and rediscover your calling. To join our body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at trinityowasso.com. Recently, an earthquake happened in the most unlikely of places. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Now, Baton Rouge is not on a fault line. Baton Rouge is not known for its seismic activity. They gathered together in Baton Rouge. Over 100,000 people felt it. And they felt it at Tiger Stadium during a Garth Brooks concert. Because when Garth Brooks, toward the end of his concert, played Calling Baton Rouge... The place erupted. 102,000 people rose to their feet in Tiger Stadium and they sang and they shouted and they danced. They exploded as they sang Colin Baton Rouge in Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it was so loud and it was so disruptive that the seismograph in nearby Nicholson Hall at LSU literally picked up the shaking of the earth. Psalm 47 is like an earthquake in the middle of the Psalter. It's just after David praises the Lord for his beauty and grace and power, and it's just before David praises God for all that he's accomplished on Zion, his holy hill. And the theme of Psalm 47, the reason why the people of God shout and create this earthquake of praise before him is what? What's the theme? Lower your heads to the text and hear it again. What's the theme? 
What would cause you to shout and sing for joy? What would cause you to just come blow the roof off this place in praise and celebration? Well, for some of us, weighed down by guilt, we would praise God for His mercy. That would resonate with us. And some of us would praise God for His forgiveness because we are buried in our sin and guilt and we feel it. Some of us would praise God for His goodness to us in giving us a great suburban life in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, what, what, do the people, what do the people in the ancient church in Psalm 47 praise God for? What's the theme of Psalm 47? They blow the roof off the place for one reason. God's sovereignty. Now, I know God's sovereignty doesn't, like, knock your socks off. It doesn't make you just want to shout for joy to God because He is sovereign. But this psalm teaches us, rejoice. God is king over everyone, and He will be worshipped by all. Listen, for some of us as modern people, like, we don't, we don't like the fact that God controls and rules all things. If you're here and you're new to the church, one of the reasons you've stayed away for a long time is you don't like the fact that you have to listen to somebody tell you what to do. <laughs> and you know this because one in five of your neighbors now has no religious affiliation whatsoever. It's the rise of the nuns. The N, in the medieval times, it was the N-U-N-S. But now, it's the N-O-N-E-S, right? Those who have no religious affiliation. Every fifth house on your block is inhabited by somebody who has zero religious affiliation whatsoever. We think, well, that's, that's, that's shocking to us. Well, do you know that 18%, 18% of Oklahomans have no religious affiliation? And that was in 2012. If you're from the Northwest, as many of you guys are who've recently, recently come to Trinity, it's like 40%. And now, in Oklahoma, it's 20% in climbing. We praise God for all kinds of reasons, but here in Psalm 47, it says, clap your hands, shout, because the Lord is the King. Some of us think that God is a distant being out there, we like to keep God in our like repertoire of tools. Like we need him when things get tough. We need him around, but we just don't want him to tell us how to live. But the Bible presents a far different picture. And along with God's royal authority, he actually reigns with sovereign power. Psalm 13:6 says, "Whoever the Lord, whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and in all the deeps." God is not aloof from earthly affairs, as He says in Psalm 22:28. Kingship belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. And the Bible tells us that God extends His sovereign reign even into your ordinary and everyday life. Not even a sparrow, Jesus says, will fall to the ground apart from God's sovereign will. And even the hairs on your head are numbered. I'm glad they're numbered because you can pretty much number mine. And they're all under God's sovereign control. So 
Psalm 47.2 says, For the Lord the Most High is a great king. And again in verse 7 it says, The Lord is to be praised. Why? Because what does it say? He is king over all the earth. That's what this psalm says. It's declaring to us a truth that we are to believe. The truth is, God is the king over every one. Kings are sovereign, and that allegiance is due to them from their subjects. And since God is a king, we owe him our faith and our obedience. R.C. Sproul writes, as a sovereign, God is supreme. He has authority over heaven and earth. He created the universe. He owns the universe, and his ownership gives him certain rights. And he may do with his universe what is pleasing to his holy will. Now the point is that God is king over everyone and will be worshipped by all. But stay with me. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says that in the beginning, God spoke to our forefathers in, at many times and in various ways by the prophets. And before Jesus came in the Old Testament, God revealed himself to Israel with these amazing feats of physical manifestation. Like he took the prophet Moses to the top of Sinai, and what did he give to Moses? He gave Moses literal tablets etched with the Ten Commandments. And in fact, when Moses came down and he saw the people of Israel worshiping a golden calf, he was so ticked off, he broke the tablets. And God gave him another copy. He manifests himself in physical ways. And you may, you know, the psalm says the sons of Korah. And you may remember that, that, that Korah was one who gathered 250 people to rebel against Moses. He didn't like the way Moses was running things. And the earth swallowed up Korah. I mean, if the earth opened up and swallowed up all of us who were disobedient, I think it would change some of your impressions of the power of God, don't you? He physically manifested himself in these amazing ways in the Old Testament. And it was powerful. When, when David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant, when he was crowned at Hebron, remember he ruled in Hebron for seven and a half years, and then he moved the capital to Jerusalem for 33 and a half years. He was moving to Jerusalem, and what did he want to bring to Jerusalem? He wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant, which was this acacia wood box that God had commanded Israel to make to put those stone tablets in. And they put some manna in, and they put Aaron's budded staff in. And they were to carry the Ark of the Covenant in very specific and particular ways. They weren't to carry it on an ox cart. They weren't to carry it by hand. They were to carry it on these long poles. But do you know how far it was to bring the Ark from the Philistine city where they stole it to Jerusalem? It was a long way. And so David had an ox cart made. And so they're bringing the ark along, and along the way, the oxen fall and trip. And Uzzah, one of the Levites, is there guarding the ark, and, and the ark starts to fall, and he does exactly what you and I would do. What does he do? He reaches out to stop the ark, and he steadies the ark. But God said, don't touch the ark. And Uzzah was just doing his job. And it says in 2 Samuel chapter 6 that the Lord struck Ezra. And when 
when the people of Israel got over the shock, and when they cut the oxen loose, and they let the ox cart lay there, and they decided to grab the poles, and to do what God said, and to carry the Ark of the Covenant the rest of the way, just like God had told them to do. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 6 that they took six steps. They took six steps, and they set that ark down, and they dropped to their knees, and they shouted praises to God. And when they get to Jerusalem with that ark, it says in 2 Samuel chapter 6, toward the end of the, of the chapter, David comes into the city, and he is dancing, and he is leaping with joy as he comes into Jerusalem. And his wife, Saul's daughter, Michael, sees David dancing. And do you remember what she says? She looks with condescension at the king and she says, you're not like my father. This is not something my father would do. What are you doing dancing like a commoner, celebrating like that, so uncomposed? And David says, oh, I will be even more undignified than this because my God is a holy and sovereign God. We may dance when the stock market bumps. You may dance when you finally get that new job. And those are good things. But do you dance because of the sovereignty of the Lord? One of the spiritual dynamics that's at play in our heart is, the, is this... The, the dynamic that Edwards uh, talks about, Jonathan Edwards says in Charity and Its Fruits, he says that the way you know a believer from an unbeliever is that an unbeliever will praise God for all the communicable attributes of God that they themselves can possess. The communicable attributes are the attributes of God that he shares, that he can communicate to us. Things like his, uh, his peace. We can be peaceful people. God is truth. We can also be people who tell the truth. The fruit of the Spirit, right? This is Galatians 5 kind of stuff. But Edward says that you know you're really a believer when you can begin to praise God for his incommunicable attributes, his omniscience, which you can never have, his omnipresence. And chief among those incommunicable attributes is his sovereignty, Edward says. And when you can begin to praise God for his holiness and for his sovereignty, you know that the penny has dropped and you're beginning to get the gospel. Edmund Clowney, who was the old president of Westminster Seminary many years ago, tells the story of a, of a man that, uh, that he uses this illustration. I may have used this with you before, but he says, uh, imagine if you were to be asked, why do you love your wife, men? <laughs> and you were to say to them, well, I love her because she is really useful. You know, I, when we met, I thought about all the goals that I had in life, and I thought, huh, of all the girls, she will help me achieve my goals the best. Now, <laughs> don't ever do that. <laughs> you won't hear from your wife for a day, a week, maybe a month. Some of, those, some of you ladies are looking at me like, okay, two months, three months? I don't know, how long? How long, how long would it go? I don't know, a long time. But think about the way that you talk about your love for the Lord. I mean, a lot of you are like, yeah, I love God. You know why? Because He's useful. 
I love God because He helps me keep my family in line. He helps shape morality. He helps me sell a few houses. I love God because, you know what? He just makes me feel good. The penny hasn't dropped for you. Because Jonathan Edwards says that once you can worship God and you can praise Him for His holiness and for His sovereignty, then you're beginning to understand the beauty of the gospel of grace. And in Psalm 47, friends, they blow the roof off the place. They say, clap your hands, shout to God, sing praises to Him, because God is a king. He is a high king, and He is among all the kings of the world. The greatest you could ever possibly imagine. God is king over everyone. And He will be worshipped by all. And I just want to confess to you that there is, so many of us have got like William Ernest Henley in our hearts. There, you know, he's the guy that wrote Invictus, you know, the poem that says that I am the, you know, that the, uh, I am the captain of my fate. And most of you, just like me, Worship God because He's useful. And what would your life be like if you could just bake in the beauty of His presence and holiness just because He's God? Men, the reason why you love your wives, I pray, is you love her because you love her. You love her because you love her. You just want to be with her. That's why you love her. And you know what? What would God have to show you that he loves you because he loves you? Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, that it wasn't because Israel, you were the greatest. It wasn't because Jacob, you were the best. It says, I chose you because I chose you. I love you because I love you. Look what it says in verse uh, 4. He says, He chose our heritage for us. That's a reference to the land that He had given to Israel. The pride of Jacob. The Lord chose Jacob over Esau. Why? Because He chose him. He set His sovereign love on Jacob and He chose him. Why did He choose you? Why did He choose me? Listen. Whew. It wasn't because you earned it. You are a cotton-picking mess. And so am I. He chose you because He chose you and He set His love on you. And you say, well, I'll believe that when He puts some skin in the game. Oh, be careful what you demand of the Lord. Even with those demands, He put skin in the game, didn't He? God said, okay, okay. Believer today, you know what I'll do? I will send you my very son. And I will put his skin in the game. And he will live a perfect life before me that you are unable to live, and he will die on the cross for me. And I will show you my sovereign power that against all the odds of saving the earth, I will give my son to save you for my glory, for my honor. And I will invite you into that. I choose you. And he loves you. 47 verse 4, because he loves you.
And your father takes pride in you. And he sings over you. And he loves you. And not only does he tell us that in this psalm that God is king, but he also doesn't he doesn't just give us a command to rejoice and praise Him for His sovereignty, but He also gives us a prophecy. Notice in verse 9, it says, The princes of the people gather as the people of the God of Abraham. At the end of time, the Lord is going to gather all of the nations of the world, and they are going to worship Him. And for those of us who are in Christ, we're going to worship Him in His presence of grace and mercy. And for those who don't know the Lord... They are going to worship him in his wrath and his justice for all eternity in hell. But he will be worshiped. And he invites us to be able to praise him for his sovereignty now. And he wants to invite you into that great story because he loves you. And he loves you because he loves you. Now, this last couple of weeks, I've like lived with this psalm, and thank you for praying for my family as we traveled the last couple of weeks. It was great to be able to get away, and it's fun to hear other preachers uh, preach, isn't it? You're going to get to hear uh, the last of the RUF guys uh, next week, and Scott Morris when he comes to us from Norman. But I've lived with this last verse of Psalm 47, um, and uh, it has been hard to live with. It says, for the shields of the earth belong to the Lord. And he is highly exalted. The shields of the earth, it's an interesting turn of phrase, isn't it? The shields in the ancient world were these long wooden protective devices. Like a buckler would be a shield you'd wear on your arm, like the Captain America buckler, right? It's a shield on your arm. But a shield would be a long shield, and they would be so big that you could literally hide behind them. In fact, kings, when they would go into battle, they would often have a shield a bearer, and his only job was to walk before that king and protect the king, and the king would hide behind him. And I've thought about this verse as I walked the beach in Florida, and as I prepared for the sermon this week, and I sat down and said, what are the shields that I hide behind? I really, really, really love you, and I want you to like me. And do you know what shield I hide behind? I'll hide behind the shield of performance righteousness. I want my family to be well behaved, and so I'll hide behind the shield of my fatherly authority. And I will shape my children's hearts, not because I want to shape and mold their hearts with the gospel, but sometimes I shape and mold their hearts because of my reputation. And I hide behind the shield of the fear of man. What shield do you hide behind? Because it's as though this morning the Lord takes all of us and he lines us up with all of our shields. And if you, it, some, of us, some of us are like turtles, man. You can't find. You're hiding big time. And it, it, he says, the shields of the earth belong to the Lord. And it's as though one day, either right now or someday before the judgment seat, the Lord's going to go, oh, that one's mine. I'll take that one. That one's mine. I'll take that one too. Yeah, the power dynamic. Mm, I want that one. Your fear of others. I'll take that one. Your trust in financial prosperity. I'll take that one. And he exposes us. 
And we are left before the infinitely holy, beautiful, sovereign God completely exposed. Are you okay with that? Because some of you are hiding. And the Lord wants you today to lower your shield. All throughout the Psalms, you see this imagery of the shield. It's just, it's, it's all, Lord, you are our shield. You are our protector. You, Lord, you, um, you, you are the, 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 our portion and our, the shield of our hearts. You are the, the one who protects us. Look, all throughout the Psalms, he is communicated to us as a shield to protect us. And you know that in the Old Testament, it was a beautiful picture to use because they would see it in battle. In the New Testament, shields only used one time. Only one time in the New Testament. And what is the shield in the New Testament that we're called to hold? Faith. Ephesians chapter 6. In the armor of God, you're given a shield. And it's not the sword of the Spirit. It's not your Bible memory program. It's the shield of faith. And we hide behind faith. Why? Because the Lord covers us. He is our shield. The Lord your God is in your midst. He's a mighty one to save. He will cover you with his love and his righteousness. And he did that. And he showed us that when he sent his son to the cross to die for us. If you're new to the faith, would you turn from loving God because he's useful to loving God because he's God and he's sovereign? And if you were an older saint who walked with Jesus for a long time, would you just bask in his care for you because he protects you as a shield over you? And that shield is his very own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose blood shields you from the wrath of God because Jesus died in your place, whose body on that cross shields you from the rightful judgment that should be yours. And I know that some of you don't like the idea that God is sovereign. But friends, know that he has put skin in the game to show you that though he is sovereign, he is good. In the line which in the wardrobe, there's that part, isn't there, where Lucy's talking to Mr. Beaver about Aslan, and, and he says, oh, he's fearful. And she says, well, well I, I don't want to meet a fearful lion. Would he be, will he be, uh, will he be uh, safe? And Mrs. Beaver chimes in and says, safe? Who said anything about him being safe? But he's good. And he's the king, I tell you. And by the goodness of the hands of the king, as Tolkien said of the prophecy of Gondor, right? The hands of the king are healing hands. And so, by such healing will the rightful king be known. And the Lord Jesus is trying to heal you. He's trying to make you more like him. And so, Trinity, let's shout. Let's sing for joy. Let's allow him to call us. And we may not be in Tiger Stadium. You may be in your home this week. You may be driving in your car. You may be shepherding your kids. You may be doing structural engineering work at your firm. But some point this week, would you hear the Lord say, I am sovereign and I love you. And I chose you because I chose you and I sing over you with my love. Lower your shield and let me be your protector. That 
is an earthquake waiting to happen. So we may not be 102,000 people in Tiger Stadium praising God because Garth Brooks sang Colin Baton Rouge. But we join myriads upon myriads, too many to number, who will stand in praise and awe of God one day, someday, and every prince of the world, no matter how powerful he is, will bow his knee to King Jesus. And he will shout in praise of his holiness and sovereignty and justice. And if you're here today and you've never seen such amazing power and sovereignty and love come together, then believe in Jesus. And he offers himself to you. Would you clap your hands, shout for joy, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, O oh Lord, you are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Would you remind us? That you are our fortress and our deliverer. You are our rock in whom we take refuge, our shield and the horn of our salvation. You've given us a shield of your salvation and your right hand supports us. And your gentleness and mercy has made us great because you chose us. Our soul waits for the Lord. You are our help and our shield. Strengthen us this week, Father, to take hold of the shield of faith and hide in your righteousness and not our own. And may you help us to praise you, not because you're useful, but because you indeed are the great king of the universe. And we praise your name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Trinity, please visit our website at trinityowasso.com.